everyone. Welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And we're a couple dudes with PhDs in theology who talk about television shows, because what could be more natural than that? Am I right? As always. <laughs> did you finish Ted Lasso before we get to the dude? Not, matter at hand? I finished Ted Lasso before the last time we talked about Ted Lasso, and you've encouraged me to watch it a second time. Okay. Okay, I, 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 as I've explained, since I can't watch it on my TV, it's a little yes. tricky to to watch it. I end up watching it on my phone. But no, I've been as I texted you over the weekend, Cobra Kai, man. That's my guilty pleasure. It's funny, Ryan. I laugh out loud at Cobra Kai because it's so ridiculous. Not, I mean, there are some times when it's funny, but there, it's they play up the camp so much. It's so campy that I can't help but laugh out loud because you know they did it you know on purpose they knew they knew what they were doing uh so it's it's a fun getaway for a 52 year old guy I mean basically all the actors not the child actors but all the adult actors are like almost my exact age they're all you know like a couple years older than me so anyway that's that's been my guilty pleasure how about you well have you gotten to season three of Cobra Kai yeah, yeah, I'm into season three. Ralph Macchio is in Japan currently. I only ask because season three is the definition of camp. It's quite possibly the campiest <laughs> thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah. As if they really any... leaned into it. I mean, the movies were campy, but they really leaned into it with this show. As if any town in America is still moved by a karate tournament. Right, right. Well, as though any mall would just like have a huge karate battle in the food court. <laughs> and then yeah. all the kids would just walk away at the end of the day. You know? Nobody's in jail. <laughs> yeah, Johnny see Johnny seems to be the only person who ever gets arrested. And he's the, you know, he's the guy you're rooting for. So but man, he does pound the Coors banquets. You gotta appreciate that. It's classism at its finest. Since we talked, I think we watched Bridgerton. And okay. Okay. I also just started over the weekend behind her eyes, which is the six episode psychological thriller on Netflix. I'm three episodes in, and it feels like it's just about to go completely bonkers. So, well, can, just about Bridgerton for a minute. I mean, I it was it was highly touted by Netflix to me. You know, it was like Netflix. It was popping up every time I logged into Netflix as like the next thing I should watch. And I, so of course I like just started reading some reviews to see if it was really something I wanted to invest in, in my time in. And the reviews were not great, but man, it looked like they spent a ton of money making that. Yes. And do you think it's just like there, they were like, Oh, Downton Abbey people love that. So let's do like a spicy Downton Abbey, like a period piece soap opera. That's one ingredient in the recipe. The other would be Shondaland. I mean, they threw a bunch of money at her. And sure, they're, you know, Netflix is about subscribers, but also they're about appeasing filmmakers and the top talent in Uh that world. And so they kind of throw a lot of money at it or at them. Mm Mm-hmm. In an effort to keep them because, you know, obviously they could go to pick a platform, right? But yeah, you're yeah. right about the t- the type of content. And, you know, it's based on a series of books and there's a, tar- a target audience for that. And there are parts of it that are 
funny and in moments, you know, smart. But overall, uh-huh. it's just it's more than that. But it's also a big thing. Yeah. 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 Speaking of shows with massive budgets, let's uh, talk about the series finale of WandaVision, which is a show we've been going out week through week by. I think you and I both, I mean, we've, as we often do, we, we've been texting back and forth about it in advance of recording our podcast conversation, because I'm guessing listeners now know that I'm, I'm in Minnesota and you're in Los Angeles. So we're not like watching these shows together or sitting in the studio talking about them. But I think you and I agree that we feel some ambivalence about this final episode. It's got strengths and weaknesses. Yes. I, for, uh, as, a, as a kind of a side note, I, I wonder how many, I wish we could know numbers because it feels like everybody watched this show. This was a big one, man. It, Huge. It, it, this one caught fire. Yeah, this yeah, show. So and kudos. It's funny because you don't even know how many people even have Disney Plus, but it must have been a huge success for getting people to sign up for Disney Plus. Yeah, and kudos to the to everyone involved. I mean, and congratulations because you know the hope is that it encourages births more kind of creative engagement with these types of stories and these types of characters, right? The superheroes. And I want to say from the start that I felt that you know the series as a whole was quite brilliant from the aesthetics of the early episodes, you know, through to about episode, what, seven or eight, when that really started to kind of solidify into what now we know is more of a kind of typical Mar, you know, Marvel cinematic universe style. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, perfect casting outside of Paul Bettany and, Elizabeth Olsen, you know, they played those characters for so long. All that said, I just felt like the finale didn't hit for me the way other episodes did. And I'm also sensing, based on social media and conversations with friends who are watching the show, that I may be in the minority on that. And, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. I'm always happy to be wrong. But it just, it, and I don't know if it was the mood I was in. I just was recovering from my second vaccination shot, which was awful. <laughs> so oh, really? I, I may need to go back and rewatch, but I just felt like it was a little off compared well, to the rest I, I of the series. I just want to say that just be just because you're in the minority does not mean you are wrong. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm. You know, it's just an opinion. But I agree. the The social media I saw after people watched the series finale was over the top excessively positive and you know when you dig a little deeper to all that social media love it's mostly related to mcu you know it's how these characters now tie in to the the whole marvel the whole marvel universe and honestly it seems like there's as much talk about the, you know, the little teaser things that they put in the credits for upcoming, you know, to tease upcoming movies as as the actual show itself. So let, let's, before we get to that, because I don't ha- actually really have super strong opinions about what they're teasing and how they're referring to the Incredible Hulk or how they're referring to, same, you know, the 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 fourth movie in this or it it's obviously very 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 effective for their 
properties because it gets people to watch through the credits and then go online and speculate what it all means. But I'm I'm actually more interested in us talking about the show proper, the the series finale. I mean, for one thing, there's a ton of fighting. You know, a lot of CGI, crazy like fighting up in the sky, which I think we can dispense with rather quickly because it's you know not that interesting, but it's it's a part of what happens in in every Marvel. But I do want to talk about how. One of the things I really liked about the finale and about the show writ large is how how much female power there was. Because mm. so many times TV shows and, and movies get into this, even where they have a female protagonist, where some kind of man comes in and gives them the one thing that they were missing to make them powerful enough to beat the bad guy. You know, like mm-hmm. they couldn't have done it without the help of a man is mm-hmm. is almost you can see it in Wonder Woman and stuff like that. This that this really did not happen that way. Like this was all about Wanda. She had the power to keep her world intact or to let it dissolve. And there was no man who was, you know, basically helping her make that decision. Yeah, I agree. And. You know, well, a quick word about the fighting. I mean, I think the just back to the quality of the production, you know, that we're watching television and it feels like a, you know, big cinematic experience in these fight scenes. It didn't feel like they sacrificed anything there or, or kind of pulled any punches, pardon the pun. But so, yeah, that was, you know, it's not a lot to talk about there. The the female empowerment or just the allowing and it's not even empowerment, right, that that there's like physical strength there where she can handle it, but also just coming to the realization of what's happening alone or through conversations with other women, right? Like Monica Rambeau, even Agnes, Agatha, and allowing that standoff, be it philosophical or magical, to, to take place, as you said, between them only. You know, and and obviously Vision has his own realization as well, right? He learns who he is through this weird conversation with, quote unquote, himself. So there's there's a lot of that to go around about learning who you are, how to exercise that power. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that that worked quite well. And I think it was certainly honoring a, a, a character who is certainly strong enough to to do that right without a man you know behind her to the side of her and an actress as well like elizabeth olsen as we've said many times is is incredible she really does embody that strength and you see that in a lot of her movies too so i mean yeah a lot of her other films so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you think of let's talk about some of the ancillary characters and then maybe we'll circle back to wanda and vision and their love, which was really ends up being the heart and soul of this show is the love between the two of them, particularly the love that Wanda has for vision and that she carries Mm -hmm. within her. But, you know, all those ancillary characters, whether it's uh, Darcy Lewis or Jimmy Woo or Monica Rambo, what was your feeling? And, And let's, let's hold Agatha till the last of these, but of all those other characters and I think this might have been some of the disappointment that you and I have in the 
series finale because those characters were so fun and so important through the course of the show. I felt like they were just footnotes in this. I felt like those ancillary characters, especially kind of our three musketeers that you've identified, were really just cast aside in the final third of the whole series, the kind of episodes seven, yeah. eight, nine, and maybe maybe not so much in seven, but certainly in eight and nine, virtually not present at all in the next to last episode, and very briefly in this episode, but still, you know, serviceable characters. Obviously, seems like they're hinting at something for Rambo in the in a future yeah. installment yeah. in the in the MCU, whether that's a, a series and or a film. And again, to your point, not. I don't really care. I'm going to watch it anyway. I don't care to speculate or or kind of go read into that. But part of the reason that we may be feeling this way is a friend had told me that they actually cut the series length. That I think they were going to have 10 episodes, but due to COVID, they cut it to nine. And I did just did a quick uh. Google search. And I don't, the article that I pulled up quickly uh, didn't say that, but it did say that that COVID greatly impacted they had to shut down their filming and then they had to film some with with covid restrictions and in fact matt shackman series director said we had filmed about two-thirds of it before we were shut down and when we came back it was difficult to put on a mask Mm -hmm. and shield and do all that so there may be something to that and if and obviously right if you're going to have to shorten it those are the first places you go Right, those characters, because you've got to keep the focus on, as you said, Wanda and Vision and Agnes. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense because we see, like, I thought Darcy is such an important character in moving the plot forward and discovering things with her, you know, computer savvy and hacking things and, you know, whatever. And then all she does in the finale is drive a truck into the sword director and say, have fun in jail. And there's also, you know, Pietro ends up, according to, to what I'm reading on IMDb, uh, Pietro that is the same actor who plays Agnes's husband, Ralph. Like, he was kind of cast by Agatha as both, or sent by Agatha from being Ralph to yes. being recast yes. as another yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. Some of that would have been explained in an, one more episode had there been one more episode yeah. so i mean we don't need to beat them up beat oh up i'm not at all no no i i can't so imagine much. that that yeah. challenge especially in the early days you know i know filmmakers now who are yeah. you're now accustomed to that if you have especially if you're a big studio production you have all the people who help facilitate that now whole new roles and and if you have the budget yeah you pay for it but in the early days of that i i mean gosh, what a challenge that would have been. So I think it just explains why we may be having some questions or, you know, some a little bit of frustrations about that, but it's completely understandable. All right, let's turn our attention to Agatha slash Agnes. You know, she emerges. It's interesting, I guess. Let me put it this way. You expect when you tune into a Marvel movie that the villain will be revealed very early and the conflict between the hero and the villain will basically propel the plot forward. And she was revealed as the villain 
very late in the series, only in the last couple episodes. And she only really comes into full blossom as the villain here in this series finale, which I got to say, as somebody who's spent a lot of time thinking about story arcs and writing and heroes and villains of late, as I'm doing some writing of my own, that's a super risky move. And I wonder what you think about revealing her true identity so late in the series, in the story arc, and how, I mean, of course, Catherine Hahn is freaking brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think you and I both agree that she pulls it off, but how do you think she, you know, comes to full fruition as the villain here in this finale? Well, you make a, a good point about kind of your standard superhero narratives especially in film you automatically think of all the villains and sometimes you may meet the villain before you meet the hero right i think what this does is and what the strength of the series has been and what so many people have responded enthusiastically to is i mean it keeps the focus squarely on wanda and vision and i'm not i'm not trying to jump away from agnes here because i know we're going to talk about this but also on her love and grief which are the foundational Mm -hmm. themes, elements of the series. And you actually had some engagement with one of the series writers on Twitter and learned that theme of grief and trauma was central to the whole series. So by not getting into what you're talking about, that that kind of duality of, of hero versus villain and how that just, as you said, traditionally propels the narrative forward, I think that empowered the writers to stay in and play with those other, and I would say far more interesting ideas in a series like this. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Ryan. I mean, I I actually saw some people on, on Twitter. Okay. So there's so much buzz about the finale. Mm-hmm. And then I saw some other people on Twitter saying like, should I try again? I quit this series after two episodes. I was so lost or I didn't think it was compelling. And I wonder if it's because we're we're so accustomed to, especially in a superhero type scenario, to see the hero and the villain cross swords early on and then follow that kind of three-act play story arc where, you know, first the hero is is up and then the hero is down and then the hero is back up. And of course, there's no no villain in the in the early episodes, and we're all you and I were doing this in the early episodes of our podcast. We're all trying to suss out like what's really going on here. And we had our friend Tommy on, and he's like, "No, it's not about Wanda and Vision. This entire town is Wanda's vision." And like, oh, so it was a long, slow burn, and I think really a risky thing that. I, I do think they pulled off, and I, I say kudos to them for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Wanda and Vision, where do you where do you go with this? What's your takeaway? What's your what What do you make of of that couple of her love? I mean, you mentioned that before, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you my favorite part of the show, and that's when Vision and White Vision were had kind of temporarily ceased fighting. They're in the library hovering above the I knew you were going to say this. And I knew you were going to say this. They they have this conversation 
they have this conversation about this very famous idea in metaphysics and philosophy, which is when you're repairing a rotting ship, when does it, once you've replaced every single board on the ship, is it still the same ship or is it a different ship? And th- this has been spun out a thousand ways. And there are a couple of very famous 20th century philosophers who took it in a, a different direction and talked about how you, w- when you're doing philosophy in a postmodern era, you're actually repairing a ship while it is at sea. And then, so they added a whole nother layer of complexity to that question. But, you know, what, what I think is fascinating about them using this old metaphor of replacing every board on a boat is that, of course, we find out at the end that Vision was really a figment of Wanda's imagination. And he dissolves when her, you know, fabricated world or town disintegrates. He disintegrates along with it. But before he goes away, she, he he wonders who he is and what you know what, what will obviously stand as being the most famous line of this finale and will stick with fans for a long time is she says you vision are the piece of the mind stone that lives in me you are a body of wires and blood and bone that i created you are my sadness and my hope and mostly you're my love and he responds i have been a voice with no body a body but not human, and now a memory made real who knows what I might be next. So it does, I do think the writers are trying to say something about the nature of grief. And all of us who have lost loved ones know that those loved ones do live with us in our memories. And because of Wanda's superpowers, she was able to actually make vision more than a memory. She was able to somehow instantiate that memory in the the physical presence of her beloved vision. And then, of course, kids come out of that and a town comes out of that and all these funny episodes of different sitcoms come out of that. But I think that's a pretty cool, powerful statement for writers to make in a basically in a superhero vehicle. Did you share the article with me about the writer, the TV writer who overheard the line in the previous episode where Vision says, what is grief but love persevering? Did you share that Mm -hmm. with me? I can't remember. And how she said, you know, pardon my French, but when she heard it, she didn't watch the show, but her husband did. And she's a writer and she hears it and she says, fuck. Like, that's a really good line, you know? Good line. Like writers, yeah. you know, and yeah. I felt that way about the exchange you just talked about, how profound yeah. that is and how we think about who we are and who we become throughout our life and how our, our identities change and evolve. And like you said, how our loved ones who go before us become memories and neither they like vision, yeah. they and we don't know what they are now, you know, or what they right, are becoming. Right. So, yes, in a thro- in a show like this is it's really cool to see something like that. And, and then to use philosophy to talk yeah. about that as well, to talk about identity yeah. and to have the, and, and it totally works, right? Because vision contains all knowledge. Yeah. I would be much more favorable toward watching, you know, you've steered us toward several superhero movies or TV shows. I'm sorry for this podcast, some of which I've really liked like this one, others of which I thought were, 
not great, like Luke Cage, you know, just, I would love it if really great writers, like obviously the writers on this show, they went for some deeper themes. And again, they used the superhero story arc as a vehicle for trying to tell a bigger story about a woman who is very strong and yet laid low by grief and is trying to come to terms with the loss of her beloved. And that, I think, you know, that's awesome. I, I want more of that. I want less fighting and I want more of that. Well, we humans have a long history of doing that, don't we? Of yeah. of using big characters to tell stories and sure. get at what it means yeah. to be Absolutely. human. And yes. you're you're doing that now, right? In in your Trying. own work. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did it. I was a little skeptical once we got into it because I didn't know if we'd find the themes that we like to talk about, you and me. But I think ultimately we were rewarded by our nine weeks. Absolutely of commitment to this show. Yeah. So I appreciate you nominating it. And I have nominated our next series, which is a limited three-part series. And we'll start it next week. And it is uh, currently, I don't know, last, yesterday it was number two on Netflix, according to my Netflix app. And that is Murder Among the Mormons, also based on a book, but kind of a true crime type deal. And uh, definitely going to have religious themes and will once again sounds like live up to the killer serials hey there you go tv shows about killing (laughs) and religion killing and religion yeah Yeah. that goes together unfortunately yeah looking forward to that yeah i'm looking forward to it too and thanks all for listening to our nine week journey through wandavision it's been a lot of fun and now we turn our attention to a you know a very different kind of series and we hope you'll watch it along with us as we go episode by episode through Murder Among the Mormons. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Wear your Bye. mask. <laughs>